think that in 2020, we've all been challenged by this pandemic. We've been challenged by facing the reality of social injustice and how many Black lives have been lost to police brutality. Um, as a person of color, uh, recognizing uh, the things that I have been through and experienced, but, then not, but also not using that as an excuse not to do the work. So I really questioned um, that now. I think the work now in, in how I want to be an activist and why it's important for me to speak up is because I can't hide behind the fact that I'm a person of color. I can't hide behind the fact that I'm an artist or an actor and that's not my job. It very much is, especially with the work that I'm doing with community. Episode 8. Welcome to the Anti-Racist Artist Podcast, a podcast for activists, advocates, and allies working to make our communities equitable through artistry. Each episode, I am joined in conversation by an artist or arts facilitator who has been paving the way in hopes of learning from their expertise and experience. Through action and unity, we can create a better tomorrow today. Let's go. Stephanie Cleghorn Hasso, she, her, is the Associate Director of Public Works Dallas at Dallas Theater Center. She has worn many hats in the theater industry, including actor, director, teaching artist, producer, and arts administrator, and has been involved in the Dallas-Fort Worth theater community for over 10 years. Her work with Public Works Dallas is her true calling, and she is honored to be a member of such an incredible family. Maria Calderon, she, her, hers, 24 and Mexican, has a BFA in theater from Southern Methodist University. Two of her short plays have been produced in Mexico and Los Angeles. She has experience as a stage manager at SMU and acting experience. She has worked with Public Works Dallas since her freshman year and is excited to share the virtual space with todos ustedes. Welcome Maria and Stephanie, and thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. Thank you for having us. Thank you. So I'd like to dive right in with some of the core questions that our podcast seeks to unpack that we ask all of our guests. So the first question is, what is your own definition of anti-racist and how does anti-racism factor into your artistry? Um, and feel free, both of you, to respond to that question. Great, I'll, I'll start if that's okay. Um, so when I think about the word anti-racist, I think about my, myself um, and I think about my, the work that I am doing to become an anti-racist. Um, so it's really reflecting on my beliefs and questioning and challenging them. It's everyday learning and implementing new practices that includes true equity. So it's not just what can I do better, but it's making sure that I'm living and abiding by those practices. And when I think of that word, I think about what does Stephanie need to do to become an anti-racist. I, I agree that it's um, uh, that is an ongoing process of re-educating ourselves um, in order to become uh, an agent uh, for 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 unity and, and and democracy and peace that we've been lacking. And um, as for how it factors into my artistry, I think it calls me and adds more responsibility to my decisions as as an artist to as Stephanie says, not just state that I abide by these values, but actually set the example for others that are coming after me, but also for um, for my audience, for my fellow artists, and um, and always, always in the search for that, for that reality. Does artistry have an inherent social responsibility? And if so, what is that responsibility, and to whom? Well, I. I think that as artists, we are we're actually very important in a society, and more and more, and through the times that we're living, we see how much people and society needs the arts. So, I mean, just right off the bat, I would say that artists are necessary in a society. Um, so, just everywhere that we go and whatever we do, we 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 know that we are responsible, or we have to maintain awareness that we are responsible for that for the message that we sent. Um, and the message that we want to pass down uh, to our audience, but also the, show, the social groups and sectors that we impact, right? Um, so, so I think I think art and responsibility, social responsibility, go hand in hand 
is what I think. Yeah, and I just want to echo Maria in that I think we're responsible for um, telling relevant stories. That is our responsibility to tell these stories and to uplift um, as many voices and narratives as we can so that all voices are heard and all experiences are seen. I think as an artist, that's, that, that's our responsibility to make sure those stories are being told. The last question that we have as part of our core podcast questions is what inspired you to use your platform as an artist and arts facilitator to address social injustices? And what was your uh, first attempt in realizing art is activism? I think for me, it's really started to be more clear now that I'm working with uh, Dallas Theater Center and Public Works Dallas. I think as an actor, I wanted to do the work and I wanted to be a good actor and I wanted to tell stories. Um, and I think that with the way I was raised as well, that I was trying to find my identity. Um, I'm Mexican-American, but I'm, I've been far removed from that culture uh, growing up. And so finding that and trying to identify as who am I, who's going to accept me was really difficult. And so I strayed away from that at times, and, and I regret that. Um, but then when I started working with Dallas Theater Center and seeing these beautiful, diverse communities that I was working with and seeing how these community members are representing our whole Dallas as a whole, our Texas as a whole, our country as a whole, I realized that I needed to do more work about myself and my own identity and the work that I'm doing as an activist. So if that's if I can't do that personally as an artist or an actor, how can I do it in the community engagement work that I'm doing? Um, and working with Dallas Theater Center, I also joined our Equity, Diversity, Inclusion Committee. And that's really challenged me to think um, about these practices that I was talking about and, and making action in these practices. I think that in 2020, we've all been challenged by this pandemic. We've been challenged by facing the reality of social injustice and how many black lives have been lost to police brutality. Um, as a person of color, uh, recognizing uh, the things that I have been through and experienced, but, then not, but also not using that as an excuse um, to not do the work. So I really questioned um, that now. I think the work now in, in how I want to be an activist and why it's important for me to speak up is because I can't hide behind the fact that I'm a person of color. I can't hide um, behind the fact that I'm an artist or an actor and that's not my job. It very much is, especially with the work that I'm doing with community. So I think now, um, I think even in the last year, I've learned so much and I am on a journey where I want to continue and I want to keep growing and I don't want to stop. So I think it's, it's been so important to me now. Wow, that is so inspiring. Like, it really is because for me, um, I'm still very young. I never saw myself as an activist. You know, the, the concept of getting out there and, um, and protesting doesn't go along with me. However, whenever I encounter Public Works Dallas and was invited into this practice of radical hospitality, which is why we, what we live by, um, I, I fell in love with that. I fell in love with doing work for, for the success of something larger than ourselves, uh, which is the community, right? I think I'm, I'm attempting every, every day or with every play that I work in as either a stage manager, but also as an actor, um, I think I attempt every time to, to set the message to, to say something on behalf of all, all Mexican women in the arts or all Mexican young women uh, like me in the arts. It's, it's an ongoing journey. So I'm not very, very defined on what kind of activist, active is she, my platform is. I think I'm discovering every day. But the, the journey since I encountered Public Works Dallas, just like Stephanie, has been ignited and has called me for, for larger efforts, which I enjoy very much. Mm, yeah, that's so good. Um, and I want to pull on um, two things that I heard, one from each of you. Um, Stephanie, I, I, it's been identified, it was identified in our last episode um, with Cindy Tsai, who is an actor herself. Um, and this idea, and I've also identified it within my own journey and experience of um, really utilizing facilitation and producing um, and that arena of the work within the arts and within theater specifically to make a stronger uh, push towards justice and um, equity 
um, rather than having that facility and agency to do that as an actor or as an artist. So just calling out that through line, that theme that's come up a few times now in conversation. Um, and then, Maria, what you talked about, um, radical ho- hospitality, um, is a great segue because I had a question about that. Um, so going into the work of Public Works Dallas and the work that you all cultivate and create, um, I'd love to start by unpacking what that means to you all. What does, um, as it's listed on your, your website, quote, radical hospitality and inclusion mean to you? What does that look like in practice? Well, it is, um, it is about making sure um, that every voice in the room is heard and valued, uplifted, and celebrated. No matter what the person's background is, where they come from, or what language they speak even, um, and how we live it where it, right off the bat, we all our communication goes and comes in both Spanish and English. Just always, that's by default. Um, it's about... Uh, it's about destroying the boundaries that would have kept us from doing work together. Um, this is language barrier. This is locations in Dallas in which we we live, and we um, we live by this rule of never never um, preventing anyone from entering this community, um, allowing this safe this this safe place to exist for everybody, no matter where they come from. Um, it is beautiful, but it is indeed radical because it's still a concept that um, is not familiar or is not just a second nature to a lot of institutions in this country, um, in public works, in, in, in Dallas and everywhere where public works uh, exists, uh, really fights and we hold that banner that um, with us, everyone is welcome. It's if you think about it, it's something very radical to say, especially for the past couple of years has been very, very radical, but it, it is beautiful that it is our way of living and we want to invite everyone to live by this proposal. And I wanna give a shout out to our partners, the Public Theater and their Public Works team because we've adopted their values. And so this is these are one of the core values that they abide by and we also abide by. And I wanna add that, um, that it goes on to say offering joyful support to each other. It defines it as that. So that those are big ideas of, uh, that we encompass, um, joy um, and support. How are we always bringing joy and how are we supporting our community? One of the very first phrases I learned when I joined the team was, how can I support you? And I find myself saying that every day, how can I support you? Whether it's uh, my team member, whether it's a community member, and I think it's just about compassion. Uh, it's about seeing and hearing those in the room, whether it's a virtual room or a live room, and saying, "I'm here for you. I'm, I'm here to support you. I'm here to work with you and engage with you." Um, so I think that it, it goes it goes beyond um, working alongside, but that we are we are living and breathing and um, learning together. Hey friends, Nicole Johnson here. I am founder and creative director of Giovanna Productions Move, a nonprofit organization that provides community members with the resources necessary to address social issues creatively. And I'm excited to be joining the Anti-Racist Podcast community again, but this time via Zoom. I'll be um, hosting a workshop called Edify, Dismantling Systemic Oppression Seminar. Uh, We're hosting that on March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I hope you can join us. We'll be talking about shifting culture through something called the Grounded Theory. I'll also be sharing curriculum underneath the title Edify. Uh, That's really going to help you to understand community organizing, the effects of drama therapy. And then we're also going to be exploring our own problems of practice, addressing social aggressions and discrimination in American workplaces, specifically one of your choice. So it's a really practical workshop. I hope you will join us, and I'm sure that you're going to have uh, a lot of fun. Peace out, friends. Maria, you alluded to this, um, so I'll dive into this question a little deeper. According to population data, in Dallas, roughly 706,000 people speak English only, whereas 768,000 speak Spanish. Um, responding to the makeup of your community in your newsletters and other public-facing documents and programming, Um, Public Works Dallas distributes both in Spanish and English. Um, And as you mentioned, (laughs) this action is pretty obvious and plainly necessary, but at the same time, so few other organizations and institutions 
um, have begun making their work inclusive in such ways that your efforts are commendable and rather unique. Uh, what other efforts are you all taking to make your work inclusive and what are some that we could be working towards um, both within your organization but also as a collective industry? That is, wow, that could go so many different ways because there is no limit to how inclusive we we want to be, right? Um, we um, we have been working not only as a, as a department but BTC as an institution to see where where we are lacking in giving access to the community that we serve. Um, we and I and I and I'm 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 sorry that most most of what I can say about this is that we are having continuous conversation. Um, it is. It is quite an effort um, to 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 engage with community centers as you know as as we are now because of the pandemic and all of that. Many efforts will have to uh, will have to keep having conversations, but they will have to wait until we can have in person access to certain organizations in Dallas. Um, so, but we. Um, but we want to honor as many, you know, as many languages as possible. We are focusing on Spanish because it's the one that most represents um, the, I, a huge part of the community, as you mentioned. Um, Stephanie, I don't know if you, what you want to add to that. Um, sure, sure. I think that when you think about our program as a whole, that uh, everything is free. Um, that we offer, that Public Works Dallas offers. So if you're coming to a workshop, if you are coming to view one of our Dallas Theater Center productions in your PWD community, then it's free for you. So I think that's that's a, an easy example of how we're making it accessible to our community. When you think about us as an institution, as Lydia was saying, we're thinking about what does that mean for our patrons um, and for our audience members? Is it, um, are the ticket prices accessible for all of the community? Are we opening our doors and we're saying, Truly, Maria said this uh, earlier, all are welcome here, and we truly believe in that. So what does that mean? Are we making sure that when we're marketing our shows, that community, all communities are hearing about um, the opportunities that we have? We look at our education program. We have an incredible education director, um, Morgana Wilborn, who is willing to offer scholarships to students for paid classes if they're unable to afford the rate um, or the fee. So I think in every department, we, we've tasked ourselves to say, what can we do to make sure that our programs are reaching everyone? Um, and we're continuing to do that work, like Maria is saying, and continuing to learn. And um, and some of the learnings from our virtual programming may continue. It may be that we're, we love these drive-through experiences now. That makes it more accessible for people to join us. They don't have to get out of a car. Um, they can, um, they, they feel safe in that way. So that's something that we feel that we can continue as an example of ways that we're learning and how we want to continue to be as accessible as possible. The Public Works Dallas mission states that, quote, Public Works Dallas creates ambitious works of participatory theater through long-term partnerships citywide, end quote. Um, I'd like to dive into the partnership aspect of your work. You all cultivate very strong partnerships with organizations outside of the arts in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And I have witnessed from afar is uh, these being spaces for growth, joy, as you said, and community. Um, can you talk on how your work within a theatrical institution intersects with that of these organizations? And what is the goal of these partnerships? And how have you been able to measure success towards that goal thus far? Absolutely. I'll jump in first because I want to list all of our partners. Uh, I want to make sure that we um, that we acknowledge them and celebrate them. Um, so we are partners with Aspire, Bachman Lake Together Family Center, City of Dallas Buckley Santa Recreation Center, and City of Dallas Jamie C Recreation Center, and Jubilee Park and Community Center. Those are our current community partners. And each of these organizations has a really strong mission that uh, really works alongside ours. They're, they're based in their specific neighborhoods in their communities. They're offering programming for families, for individuals, um, whether it be teaching skills, providing resources, or even just being a home base for people to gather and to, to be together. Um, so these are our objectives as Public Works Dallas. So uh, we really align with those values uh, and we see that these are long-term partnerships and the value of that that we're invested in these communities, in these neighborhoods, in the leadership at the community partner locations. Um, they 
you know, they, we do workshops at, the, at these locations. We are interacting, engaging with them throughout the year. Uh, and these are our family members. Um, so these are the people that um, that we're interacting with on a daily and weekly basis. So uh, I think that they're, they're more than partners to us because um, we are we are in this for for the long haul. Uh, we we're invested in each other, and I think though I, I value those relationships so much. Yes, yes, we love our partners. We um, it's I would I would dare say that they're like a second home uh, to us and their particular community members. As to your question about how have we measured success over the years, um, I I've, I've been sort of like not 100% involved with public lifestyles because I had school on the side, of course, but but I've been able to see how um, members who have come back year by year through these community centers have um, have seen development in themselves, not only have connected so deeply into their artistic selves, but have also, and they tell you, they tell us all the time that they feel like they become better people thanks to, um, thanks to their engagement with public works dollars through their organizations. Um, these partnerships are, um, to public works dollars, they are just forever, um, which is very important when you think about, um, again, this, this idea of becoming an activist, that it can, it can feel, it can be a very good idea, but we have to, you have to maintain that commitment and that is not always the case. And by maintaining this commitment, we ensure that, that people that engage with us have know that they have our support forever and that they are always welcome to come back to 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 take it to take advantage of 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 having this community in common and our partners do an excellent job in supporting us with not only spaces but um also uh communication uh channels uh to engage with our community via flyers via uh phone calls uh, what have you um they are really making an impact and have been for years making an impact in the community and we are we just want to um to join their forces in making these positive changes for the city of dallas i have a keen place in my heart for community partnerships and the work of intersecting theater and arts organizations with um, community spaces and organizations with similar aligned values um, and i think the work you all are doing is an exceptional um, vantage point of that. One of the main offerings that you all have talked about um, for Public Works Dallas is your workshop series. Um, can you describe the who's it for and the what's it for of these workshops and how do they function to support your mission of bringing this sense of community um, with your partners? I think Maria said it, um, I think she said it best that, that it's it's for everyone. You know, she's talked about that that we, um, that we truly believe that there's a space for everyone. And so even when we're looking at a virtual world right now, it may be that it's a specific time of the day or it's specifically tailored for um, a bilingual um, audience or participants. Um, it's still saying that people are welcome in the space. Um, so when we, we look, when we're in a live setting, uh, we are all over Dallas in these different locations um, and we are, focusing on specific groups, whether it be a multi-generational group or a youth specific group or specifically a senior group. Um, but we're trying to capture as many um, communities as possible. So as we look at to expanding our program, we ask ourselves, who aren't we seeing? Uh, it's really important that we are giving um, voice to everyone as we talked about previously. Um, but they're, they're really for everyone. And like I said, because they're free, they're accessible. We try to put them at different times and locations so that people uh, are getting that information and they're able to, uh, to be there in physical space with us. I don't know if you wanted to, to add to that, Maria, but I think that they're, for, they're truly for everyone. Well, yes, um, they, they support our mission because they, they want the same or they, they follow the same vision that Public Works Dallas has. There, there is an extensive and very organic process into having a partner join Public Works Dallas. Um, we have to, to find that initial human connection that also, and, and make sure that we have in common the same values of uh, radical hospitality and inclusion of, um, um, of 
finding finding joy and also we have to make sure that it's a certain type of center that that welcomes yes a special specific first uh, um sector in the in the community but in what ways is is it welcoming um certain families are they just going in for well, for workshops that they have to pay for and then they leave or we we seek for more than that we seek for for places where people just can be there and create community and be there and enjoy themselves um for a cup of coffee with friends etc it's um it so the workshops that we do are very tailored as stephanie said to what this community center or this community partner seeks for to offer the the the, the people that are in touch with this center and that's what makes us very unique to other organizations that that host workshops hello curious listener we're so excited to invite you to our March 2021 Reading Community Discussion Group on Hood Feminism, Notes from the Women That a Movement Forgot by Mickey Kendall. We'll be gathering to talk about the book and its themes on Thursday, March 25th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Zoom, and it is completely free to join and will be led by our one and only project and community manager, Maricela Juarez. And a huge special thanks to the Collective Oakland for sponsoring this month's Reading Community. We hope to see you on the 25th, and you can sign up for your free ticket and get your free Zoom link at antiracistartist.simpleticks.com. See you soon. So I first heard you, Stephanie, um, articulate this value of, quote, theater at the heart of every community and community at the heart of every theater um, over a year ago. And I continue to find that just like so carbonating. Um, On your website, you also articulate the value of, quote, building community through theater to revitalize civic life. How do these values of theater being inextricably linked to community and civic life show up in your practice in your work? And how do you intend your art to play a part in revitalizing civic life? What does that actually look like? Yeah, I think that it goes back to, you know, what stories are we wanting to tell? And what stories are we needing to tell? Um, And specifically, even right now, what does our community need to heal? Um, I think that we're experiencing a lot of trauma um, globally. Um, and so by asking you know, these questions uh, and putting that into the work, whether we're exploring them during workshops, whether we're exploring them during our pageant production and rehearsals when we're doing our big summer production, um, we, we're finding out how, how art can, you know, it's, it's a bit cliche, but how it can truly change the world. Uh, and I think that if we're challenging ourselves to not just offer joy, but also to uh, to tell those difficult stories, um, and to be in a in a place of community and a safe space where we can explore those um, those ideas. Uh, then I think that um, we're preparing our community to to be to be better artists, and to be better community members, um, to to become involved, to to be to become more informed. Um, and when you look at who we're working with, we're, we're working with, with youth. We're working um, all the way up until our elders. So when Maria was speaking about our community members um, and how we're measuring success, we're, we're seeing it by those that are staying with us. And so that, that means something if we're seeing a child who's a baby in the arms of its mother, and now they're walking and talking and participating in our workshops or, uh, or in our rehearsals. So we're, we're starting at such a young age that we have, we have so much that we can offer our community and they can offer us and we can impact each other. Um, and it's by asking those questions, it's by challenging um, each other and not being afraid to shy away from really difficult topics. I agree to all of that. I would just add like a very small thing. Um, uh, I believe, as I said, that artists are really um, advocates and very important um, very important uh, people in in that society and in the betterment of the well-being of a society. And I think with the type of work that public works does, we would be able to um, to bring an, a new energy into the community that calls it calls for it to become a better a better place to live. Um, and I and I see that through through the 
stories of success, as Stephanie has mentioned, of of members who have come back through the years who wish to come back um, year by year and to seek more and more opportunities to volunteer with us and just keep contributing to the work that we do. It, it is then when you see how good um, this work could do um, if, you know, if we were just everywhere around the world or how good we are doing uh, to to re-nurture the civic life of the place that we live in. If every organization showed up to work with the question of what we what can we do to help the community heal, like you said, Stephanie, what amount of empathy it would take and produce to show up with that perspective? I, I just love that question and centering around that. And also um, what you mentioned about the duality of both what can we offer to our community, but also what can our community offer to us and how can we make a communal impact? I think the latter so often gets um, dropped and gets forgotten. And I just wanted to lift that up and say thank you for bringing uh, that to the forefront as well. I would love to um, talk a little bit about your personal relationship with this sector of work. Maria, uh, you have taken the identities of actor, playwright, and stage manager amongst the theater industry. And Stephanie, you have identified as an actor, director, teaching artist, producer, and arts administrator. Um, in your bio, Stephanie, you share that your work with Public Works Dallas is your true calling, and you are honored to be a member of such an incredible family. How did you each find your way into the community engagement slash public works arena? And what about this specific line of work has led to your quote, true calling, as you put it, Stephanie? Yeah, um, this question makes me a little emotional. Um, my apologies. Um, I, um, my first love, I'll start by saying my first love is acting. That's my first love. Um, but it, um, it broke my heart a lot. Uh, it was, it was really difficult, um, for me because I, um, I'm sure it is for a lot of artists. Uh, you're constantly wearing your heart on your sleeve. You're constantly being vulnerable. Um, so it, it was a painful process for me, not just in auditions, but in the rehearsal room when I was performing, I wanted to give so much to, um, to the audiences. Um, and sometimes I felt, felt that I fell short of that. And when I didn't feel like I gave enough, I was so hard on myself. And so it was a really hard space for me to be in. Um, it will still be my first love. It will always be my first love. But I realized I was searching for something that was bigger than me. Because in my acting work, I felt selfish. That it was about me. It was about my pain. It was about my suffering. It was about my experience. I wanted to do something um, that was um, selfless. Um, and took me outside of my own experience. Um, so it was interesting how I came uh, to be a part of Public Works Dallas. My husband is one of the first, uh, one of the original teaching artists, public teaching artists for Public Works Dallas. And so I knew the community for years and I got to witness his work um, as an artist, also as an actor on stage and then later as an, an associate director. Uh, so that's how I got to know the community and got to hear the stories about the, the babies and the mamas who would make him food and make sure to include something to bring home for me. And I, I knew these families, um, even though I didn't get to interact with them for many years and I loved the work. So when the opportunity came to apply for this position, I jumped at it um, and my heart was so ready for it. Um, Dayron Miles, who was our previous director of Public Works Dallas, said it takes a special person to do this work. And he's so right, uh, because this work can also be painful in a very different way, because every day is about my community. It's about um, making sure they're okay. Um, so I can't see myself doing anything else now. Um, even being on stage um, right now, it's so much about my community um, that they're my top priority. They're what I think about when I wake up in the morning. They're what I think about when I go to bed at night. Um, if I'm uh, stressed or frustrated or feel like I'm not giving, it's the same thing, I guess, when I, as when I was on stage. I wanna give them more. I just wanna give them so much um, because there's such an incredible community. And I'm sure all of the communities around the world are wonderful, <laughs> but the Dallas community is so special because you don't have to know them for very long and they open their arms to you. 
with open uh, open hearts they're so welcoming they want you to be a part of this family um and that's again that's who they are they're um they're family members we, we get to talk to our community on a weekly basis um and uh we've experienced some loss within our own community um we we also celebrate joyous occasions so we're a part of death we are a part of life and birth uh, and celebrations um so I, I just really can't uh, imagine doing anything else. Um, and to see, I also want to just say that if you haven't experienced um, a workshop or even a rehearsal in, in a public works room, it's it's something I've never experienced before. So when I when I, I started in, in May, um, almost two years ago, and we jumped right into rehearsal a month later. So that was kind of my first interaction in the department was jumping into a rehearsal room with over a hundred community members, uh, with um, stage management teams, artistic teams, production teams. It was the most incredible thing I've ever witnessed. It was magic happening before my eyes. And I've been in rehearsal rooms before, but I never experienced anything like it. And I'll never experience anything like it again, that first day when you realize, look at this beautiful art that's happening just in front of me. Look at all these humans that are working together and that love being in space together to create art. Um, I will never get that feeling anywhere else. And so I'm going to hold on to it for as long as I can. Well, I want to echo so many things because it is indeed, it is indeed magical. It is indeed why um, I eventually wanted to become an artist because where I, where, where I come from, this is I swear that I'm answering your question where I come from it was all about like oh so okay so I guess you're not studying what your parents study that's that's okay you do you hope you remember us when you're on Broadway and I'm like but I want something else but I I wasn't quite sure but I really wanted theater that went beyond the house that went beyond just showing you something and then you go you're going to get your drinks because I know that the impact can, of theater can go beyond, as it showed me when I was a when I was a child. Um, and when I see when I when I, I was invited because I wasn't only uh, a theater student, but I was also bilingual, and I said, "Well, I guess finally my accent can be of some use." And then getting there, um, I got the same feeling that Stephanie did whenever 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 it happened whenever. It was show, uh, it was show night, it was opening night, and just everyone just like was like flying and like giving their all for for an audience and shining many of them for the for the first time in their lives, you know, after every everything that a person can tell you about theater, like proving them all wrong, like magic was happening right there. And and that's why I stayed, and that's why I um I like defend my community to the limit if it if it comes to it. That's why we, I don't know, we we put so much in the line for our community because they have showed us a new way of living, a new way of trusting in each one of ourselves and trusting in the work that we do. They're just, I don't know. I agree that there's nothing that can compare to it. And I am so glad that they chose this little Mexican lady to translate instructions because that was just the beginning to, to a great, 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 great adventure. We will jump right back in the conversation in just a moment. I am excited to invite you to join the conversation with us on Instagram and Facebook. We are posting sneak peeks of upcoming episodes, some powerful quotes, and announcing workshop and engagement opportunities specifically for this community. We are on Instagram at antiracistartist and on facebook.com slash AAP community. We look forward to having you join the conversation. Talking a little bit about the future and vision for the future. For the past few months especially, there has been an industry-wide grappling with decades and century-old racist and oppressive practices within the theater industry. As we begin to see the rollout of COVID vaccines and the hope of returning to the theater in person come closer to a reality, we as an industry must grapple with what we are and what we're not willing to accept as normal practices as we return. And I know this is maybe the broadest question that I, I'm going to ask you today, but what are you and what aren't you willing to accept as returning to normal? It is 
and it's hard to like pinpoint them exactly because we are planning every day based on different changes that the world is taking but in vaccination plans and you know all that we we have this like internal joke that we're just tired we we have it up to here with the word pivot um but it is true we'll have to deal with changing our plans for a while now um so i think the new normal is just going to come gradually i am willing to accept that i am willing to to um to just accept and like support the 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 efforts that will have to will have to just increment and be implemented gradually until we reach that point that where where we want to get if i am making any sense at all um because of course they're not going to happen from one day to another as as we've seen of course um but i am i am happy that injustices have been called out by what they are and that now there there is more permission and um for 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 us to for us to speak up for for bike up art for bipoc artists for um for bi bipoc audiences um for bipoc workers even if they're only in a production to be uh you know carpenters back, backstage volunteers or backstage uh production assistance there there i'm i'm happy that there there's finally a um a plan to to include them and 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 lift them up in a bigger platform in the conversation um i am happy for that i'm looking forward to that i am still i'm having i i think i was talking to stephanie about this this morning and now i think i know what it is i don't know what my role is yet um in this new effort, but I'm willing to keep learning, keep uh, discovering what that is, and in what ways can I contribute to the change. Yeah, and I'll just add to that. I'm going to really challenge that word "normal" because I don't think that we um, there there is a normal <laughs> anymore, or there there needs to be a normal. Um, I think as long as we're moving forward. Um, uh, and we're making progress that's what matters and we've talked a lot about equity and accessibility um if we're not doing that work then we're failing um and so and it's not and not just for our artists but for our audience members too so that we we ask that question again who aren't we seeing um whether it be our audience um whether it be our artists um but that we that we're challenging these ideas and we're moving forward knowing that we may we may falter, we may fail, some things might not work out, but that we're not giving up and we're always moving forward and that whatever space we're in individually or personally, that it's okay. That I know that I'm on my journey and I'm and as long as I continue working on my journey, it's okay if I'm not at the same speed as someone else, um, that I will get there. Um, so I'm just I'm just challenging myself as an individual to give myself grace and forgive myself, um, and then to do the same with others uh, in this work, that I'm giving others grace, I'm forgiving others, but I'm also speaking up um, and moving this work forward. So each episode, we invite our guests to choose an organization to uplift, one that is creating a meaningful impact towards a more equitable, inclusive, accessible, and anti-racist future. Maria, uh, you chose the Bachman Lake Together Family Center, which you all mentioned up top as one of your partners. Um, would you like to share about their organization and why you chose it to uplift? Gladly. Okay, um, firstly, and I will have to admit that I'm a little biased for towards this organization because it serves a lot, a lot of families whose first language is, is um, Spanish. These are families that mo in most cases have 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 come to the United States from Latin American countries without many resources without knowing of many resources in the community that are available for them. And this organization is so good at um, keeping a straight communication and relationship with these families, reaching out um, to them and ensuring that they are connected to the resources that they should be connected to. Um, and their main mission or their main focus is uh, with mothers and and their young children, and these are um, these are a sector of the family that are is, in my personal opinion, often taken for taken for granted. You know, early education. Oh, that's mama's job, but mama needs help. All right, so 
um, back in like together family center from the first day that I was there, I was aware because of the way they decorated the place. There are like stands of free books for the children that they can just like take home or if they want, they can exchange it for a different one. There were, I asked about the paper planes or the, the paper origami pieces in the ceiling and they said, oh, these were made by, by mothers and their children in a workshop that they had. And I was like, well, this is just beautiful and fantastic. And that type of work with the families, with early education is so important for the development of every person. I believe, and um, that is just a, um, a a mission that I that I uh, very strongly support, um, especially with uh, sectors of the the Dallas community that sometimes is or can be underserved or or taken for granted. So if you're ever if you're ever down by uh, Backman Lake. Um, you know where to go. You can pay them visit. You can visit their website to see ways in which you can donate. Um, currently, they're uh, they're hosting um, monthly uh, drive-in pantry distributions uh, for people um, who who have been struggling to get that food on the table in these times. These are completely free drive-ins for first come first serve. Of course, uh, we've had the opportunity to go volunteer with them in some locations, and wow. It is, um, it is very, very wonderful to see all the changes that, that they're able to do in the families of Dallas. Thank you for choosing them to uplift and speaking on the work that they do. Stephanie, you chose the Jubilee Park and Community Center, and can you likewise share about their organization and why you chose it to uplift? Absolutely. I'm going to read um, just a a section of their mission statement because it's so beautiful. So I'm quoting uh, a part of their mission statement. The mission of Jubilee Park and Community Center is to be a catalyst for community renewal and enrichment to the Jubilee Park neighborhood. I love that word, catalyst. Um, so what they're doing is they are offering education, enrichment. Um, they are offering um, support and housing and wellness. Um, we get to interact specifically with their youth um, in workshop settings. So they have an after school program where they offer tutoring and other activities, whether it be arts activities, um, dance, Girl Scouts. Um, so we, we mainly get to offer, uh, interact with the, the youth in the after school program, but they also have senior housing, they have family resources, and very much like Buckland Lake Together Family Center, um, they're their mission aligns with ours and the work that we do. They're very centered around their neighborhood and their community and their community is a very diverse community. Um, so same thing in this, in this uh, time of pandemic, they switched to all their programming to virtual and they also were offering grab and go opportunities where their students can come and get meals and they can stay in their cars and they can get meals provided so that they are fed, they are taken care of. They, had, uh, they wanted to really make sure that students were taken care of when there's that switch um, to virtual learning. Some of the students didn't have what they needed. They didn't have a cell phone. They didn't have Wi-Fi. They didn't have an iPad. So they wanted to make sure that the students had those supplies, that they had packets um, of lessons um, and study guides so that they are not falling behind in their studies. So I've seen the way that they've worked through in the community, not just in the pandemic, but before the pandemic, just to bring um, bring joy to, to mainly to the students is what we get to witness, but to their whole community. We're, again, like Maria says, it's a place where somebody in the neighborhood can walk from their home, come into this space, and they can have a cup of coffee. They've got a beautiful soccer field. Um, they open the gates and people can come play in their park and their playground. Um, so it, it's it's welcoming community. It's encouraging community to be together. Um, and I think just in that, accepting each other um, and learning about each other and who your neighbors are. I think that's, that's a, the, a first step to becoming, to learning to become anti-racist, knowing your community, um, knowing and appreciating uh, those that are around you. On behalf of Maria and Stephanie, the Anti-Racist Artist Podcast has made a donation to Jubilee Park and Community Center and the Bachman Lake Together Family Center. You can donate as well and learn more about their work at jubileecenter.org and bachmanlaketogether.org respectively. Before we go, are there any other projects, organizations, or people you'd like to highlight as leaders to follow in this work? All of the Public Works partners, we're doing this work within our communities, um, and so, uh, we get to spend time with them every month. 
that's how we met the wonderful Taylor. And so um, I think that's who, those that started this work. So I, I could name all of the, the, the individuals that started Public Works and, um, and that continue the work now. Um, but that's where I'd uplift because that, this work is centered in communities. It's centered in becoming more equitable um, and um, just welcoming a welcoming space for people to, to be invited to. Um, so I, I uplift all of the public works partners and affiliates. I know that's general. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I, I paused because I was thinking of definitely our, our partners over at the public theater, but then I was thinking, oh, but we have to mention the ones in the National Theater and Seattle Rep and Orbit in Utah and, and Tuts in Houston, right? There, there are just so many of us, uh, we're everywhere. And we are, we become better at this work uh, because we, we are united in this, in a virtual way. Um, and we give each other advice and support. And our partners are, our, our partners, our associates all over the country and in London are fantastic, great, um, and real, real examples in anti-racist work. Well, thank you both so much. I feel like I could stay in conversation with you for hours and hours. Um, and to you, curious listener, we'll link in the show notes um, how you can learn more about their work of Public Works Dallas and Dallas Theater Center. Um, thank you, Maria and Stephanie, so much for spending the time to chat with us today um, and for doing the amazing work that you're doing in Dallas um, and really leading the way for what the intersection of community and theater looks like around our country. So thank you for joining us. It's so good to see you both. The Anti-Racist Artist Podcast is produced by Subido Politico Productions, LLC, hosted by Taylor Ibarra, edited by Andrew Alcarez, and project and community managed by Maricela Juarez. To stay connected with the Anti-Racist Artist Podcast, please visit us at antiracistartist.com, on Instagram at antiracistartist, or via email at antiracistartist at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Our podcast is made possible with the support of folks like you. You can get exclusive content and access to the show by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash antiracistartist. Theme music features vocals by Esteban Suero, Forrest Van Dyke, Kennedy Kanagawa, Jameson, Minji Kim, ah.